Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. The Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Pulo starts now. Power in the cartoon world. A podcast, and I was told that if I did your podcast, that I would, you know, advance to the next level. And we're podcasting and photographizing in front of the great. The worst gigs of their life are, are because of Mark <laughs> Anyone want a husband? Free, free to a home. Now it doesn't even have to be a good home. Just free to a home. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre the Giant would like to do his impression. Oh, Willie Nelson. Suck yourself dry! Alright. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm Mark Poulos, and we are in the car. This is Mark Poulos and... John Russell. Hello, everybody. Yes. So we've... Had an interesting week of shows so far. We still have one show left to do. So uh, tomorrow we'll have to record another podcast, which will be the ride home where we recap everything. Oh. This episode is all about the life of John Russell. Oh, my. Just start talking. Well, I'm just kidding. I got a lot of things to get off my chest. <laughs> Let's start with your driving. Do you have a problem with my driving? No, I don't have any problem with your driving. It's just the fact that you're driving. It's it's very good. You you do a good job driving. Do you want to drive? No, I don't want to drive. Oh, all right. No, because if I was driving, then I wouldn't get to look at stuff. It's been a hell of a week so far. I'm telling you. A uh, solid diet of buffet food. Oh, my God. And uh, being stuck in a uh, constant cloud of cigarette smoke. Jesus. Last night I couldn't fall asleep because, like, I just kept smelling smoke, like, and I realized that it was it was the shirt I was wearing. Yeah. Like I went in the bathroom, I smelled my shirt, and it just reeked like cigarette smoke. I had to sleep without my shirt on. I think I want to go to Walmart, get a big old thing of Febreze, and just dump it in my in my luggage. Oh God! I mean. Sitting down there, uh, I'm going to try to edit it together. It's going to be a while, but uh, Johnny had a great idea the other day that uh, we'd go down and watch the football games at the uh, sports book and just let the tape roll and see what audio we could get from the crazies down there. Oh, my God. Was that insane? There are some crazy people that love to watch football. I'll tell you that, man. <laughs> Holy the one, Hannah. The one, guy, the one guy wouldn't shut up. That was oh, fantastic. He had so many ideas and so many arguments for things. I mean, it was ridiculous. He was explaining how how many plays were pass interference. It was funny because he talked so much that you would think, oh, this guy knows a lot about it. But in reality, he didn't know shit about what he was talking about. He did. And then he was just walking around to other people. Just, yeah. Hey, just who will listen to, to them? Me? I, lo- I think my favorite moment of the whole time that we were down there was when you, I was talking to Anita, my wife on the phone, and and, and you kind of slid away to use the restroom. And then unbeknownst to me, you went and you got in line to get some donuts or whatever. 
So I was sitting there eating, eating my lunch and I had put my food on your seat to kind of save it because it was busier than hell yeah. down there. And this old guy in a San Francisco hat comes up and he goes, do you mind if I sit there for a minute? Like, you know, I, it seems like a passive aggressive way to be like, can I sit there? Like, you're not going to like if I say you can sit there for a minute, like you're going to you're never getting out of that chair. Yeah. Like you, that guy would have took that chair for sure. So I was like, uh, no, I'm sorry. It's my friend's seat. And under his breath, as he went to sit down, he said, uh, he said, wow, wow, your, your friend's been, been not sitting there for a while, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> he never came around when I came back though, did he? No, he he's sat, afraid to get his old man ass kicked. He sat in the front chair for like a minute and then he got up and he walked past me again and said something else under his breath like maybe someday he'll come back <laughs> to your friend. <laughs> I was like, oh for Christ's sakes. Old man, shut up and move. So I feel like uh I feel like we were going to do a podcast on wrestling because we had never done one before. Oh, and I didn't right. realize how much you know about wrestling. I Well, I'm old. And so, of course, I know a lot about wrestling. And, and the thing about it is that I'm old enough that I remember back before uh, there was WWE. Well, it was around, but it wasn't the same thing. Uh, there were different territories. And like you grew up in Minneapolis watching Vern Gagne in the AWA, but I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, so I saw Central States, which was run by Bob Geigel, and his big star was Harley Race, who was Handsome Harley Race back then. Handsome Harley Race. Handsome Harley I don't know any of this. I literally started watching wrestling in the 80s when it was uh, like Macho Man and Ricky the Steamboat Dragon was like uh, the wrestlers that I followed. And uh, Hulk Hogan and Andre and all that stuff. So I, I've been friends with Tim Sullivan for a long time, and and he's obviously uh, yeah he's a more of fan. an obsessed fan. Yeah. And I didn't even realize what the whole territories thing was. I didn't even get it. Well, yeah, but, you know, to be honest, it's a lot like uh, it's a lot like comedy is now to a degree. You've got your uh, you've got your different bookers that have their areas, you know. Uh, if you want to work in the Northwest, you work with uh, whoever, and uh, you know. Was it ever like uh, like baseball, where you would have inter- interleague play? Oh, certainly. I mean, the first time that I ever saw Andre the Giant was in probably, I'm going to guess around 1974, 75. Wow. And, and what happened was he was working for, it was the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, I think, which was became the WWF. And, and what they did was they would make films of him and send them out to the different territories. And then he would come out and do one or two matches wherever uh, as, a, as a tour. And it would sell out immediately. Um, yeah, I suppose. But that's what they did. They would do that stuff. The, the national- so they would kind of do it like the, f- the featured dancers in the strip clubs. Yeah, I guess that would be a good way to put where, it. Where, like, the porn star comes into the small town yep. to do one set on stage and then uh, takes pictures with a shit ton of people right. for 20 bucks a pop. There you go. 
and and the same thing uh, in in terms of of each territory had their own champion. So there was like the AWA champion, there was a Central States champion, there was a Mid-South champion, but then there was also the National Wrestling Alliance champion who who was like the king of all kings. Oh, and, really? He was the champion of all the territories? Yes. And so Who was that? Uh, a lot of I mean it would it would vary. Ric Flair was the champion a lot. Dusty Rhodes was a champion Woo! a lot. Uh, Harley Race was the champion. Um, gosh. So they all kind of, even though they were separate and and maybe competing against each other, they still worked together. Yeah. Well, they but they weren't really competing because it was just a gentleman's agreement that you know Bob Geigel didn't do any shows in Minneapolis and in Vern Gagne didn't try to do anything in Iowa and Missouri and. So when when did that start breaking down and those borders started to be started well, to be It started crossed. breaking down when when uh, Vince McMahon Jr. Uh, started doing stuff on cable. When when oh, and, and okay. he's the one that really pushed it. But I mean, Superstation WTBS also had I think it was at the time they had uh, uh, world uh, they had Georgia Championship Wrestling, and I think they also had Florida rests uh, Florida. Something or other, I can't remember, but I remember seeing wrestling on those two channels, uh, and you'd see different guys that you never saw but you heard about. Yeah. Um, and and so once television started changing, then the wrestling business started changing because a couple of the guys took advantage of the fact that you could get the entire country. Yeah. Uh, and and they sort of they sort of said, well, we're doing it as opposed to let's collectively think about doing it. They just did it. Um, so would you say at that time then that Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger, that Andre the Giant was the biggest draw? I mean, was Hulk Hogan even in the Hulk, picture at that oh, point? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Hulk Hogan was not nearly as big as he would become uh, when, when WWE started doing, uh, you know, Monday Night Raw. Uh, with it. Well, it was before it was Monday Night Raw. It was, uh, they had Tuesday Night Titans. Uh, I mean, they had different stuff. Uh, but the real the real thing where Hogan became into the mainstream was when he came over and beat, uh, there, was, there was a guy named, I, I think if I have this correct, there was a guy named Bob Backlund who was the champion for a long time and he was a good guy and he was actual, uh, he was an actual amateur wrestler. And, uh, Bobby Backlund. Yep. And what they did was they had the Iron Sheik come and beat him because, you know, in wrestling, you can't have a good guy lose to a good guy. That, that guy is such a mess right now. No, he's not a mess. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's just Iron Sheik? garbage. Oh, my God, yes. He's out of his mind. Exactly. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you ought to. <laughs> but they had him beat Bob Backlund, and then they started a little bit. It didn't last very long, but they started a little bit of a... Hulk Hogan and, and Iron Sheik feud, and Iron Sheik was, of course, from Iran, and this was this was uh, getting to be around the time where where the Iran hostage uh, thing oh, was back in, okay. back in around '79, and then Hogan beat him. Hogan was was uh, was like uh, I mean, it was so it would be so hard. He to was say. like the Toby Keith of wrestling, right? It, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be American. I'm gonna kick all the ass I can. We're coming for you, Saddam. Yeah. Bring anyway, in a wrestler. 
But uh, Andre was always uh, a draw simply because he was so huge. So he was the biggest wrestler in the business at that point. Yeah, at that point he was. Well, Size-wise, not popularity-wise. Right, wise. right. And, but, but I mean, I think, you know, there were other guys that were huge. There was a guy named Haystack Calhoun. Haystack Calhoun. Yeah, he, he weighed what? Oh, and that guy was, he, he was That brings huge. back some memories. You remember him? Yeah, the See overalls him? and the yep. straw hat. And he had his lucky horseshoe Haystack chain around his neck. Calhoun. Haystack Calhoun, I remember him. Oh, God. Big John Studd. Big John Studd was different. <laughs> he was later. Um, oh. Haystack Calhoun. The first time I saw Haystack Calhoun, I must have been 13 or 14. Shit. And he was on Central States. And I remember my aunt took me and my sister to see uh, the, uh, it, the the main event was Haystack Calhoun versus Baron Von Raschke. Baron Von Raschke. And the Baron would go between AWA and the Central States because he, you know, and they didn't mind that because... Yeah. The, 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 the promotions didn't cross in terms of like he could be doing something down here uh, and and nobody up in the Minneapolis market or AWA market would ever see it yeah because it just didn't they didn't cross but uh, my aunt took us to that and that was fantastic and uh, I think my aunt wanted to leave pretty soon uh, <laughs> but my sister and I were just loving it well my first my first live wrestling thing was uh the St. Paul Civic Center, and it, and I've probably said this on the podcast before, but it was uh, Steamboat versus uh, Macho Man in the Cage was the ah. first the first live match I ever saw. That's a good match. But Haystack was there, uh, or was there was there another wrestler that Hillbilly wore Jim? Oh, that's who I saw Jim. live. Yeah, yeah. Hillbilly Jim was a was a cheap knockoff. Oh, that fucker! And Hillbilly Jim's gimmick was that Vince McMahon just saw him in the audience and they'd show him in the audience like three or four times. They're like, well, there's a big, there's a big drink of water. Well, there's a big, and they'd show him at every, it's like, wow, Hillbilly Jim has a ton of money to go travel and watch him wrestling all over the country. And then I think, I think what happened was, I don't know, one of the bad guys pulled some shit on Hulk Hogan or something, and Hillbilly Jim just couldn't take it no more. He couldn't take it no more and had to go in the ring and help him out, which, oh, as you God. know, you can't, you're not allowed to do that. I don't think that's legally. No. Legally, well, you can't. <laughs> from, 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 from a strict rules perspective, that's not illegal. From a stadium perspective, if you or I went and climbed into the ring, they, the security guys would jump our shit and not, and they yeah. get us out of there before you could say boo. Anyway. Re that reminds me, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, and I wish, I may have told it on the podcast before, but I, I wish I could remember the guy's name. But there was a comic who, uh, Arizona. <laughs> all right. <laughs> We just saw a billboard that said Barazonia, and I am assuming it's for a place where there's bears. Yes. Um, but there was a comic whose whose gimmick is he would wear a powder blue suit that had all these pockets sewn into it. So he would have uh, a 12-pack of bottles of beer, like, stashed on him. And he would sit in the audience and then they would announce whoever the feature act was that they made, they would make it up because it was him. So they would say, uh, you know, tonight's feature act is, uh, Tony Bashin or something. And everybody would applaud and the guy would be looking and, 
he'd be like, Tony, uh, you in the room, Tony? And then it would just go on for a bit. And then this guy would go, I'll do it. And just stood up. And the MC's like, well, I guess our guy isn't here, so here's this guy. And then he would just go on stage and like do his act and just keep pulling bottles of beer out of his jacket. And then like by the end of his act, there'd be like 12 empty beer bottles on the stool and he would just say goodnight. Oh my God. Well, that's a great gimmick. Yeah. Uh, uh, Didn't they recently kind of do that in, in wrestling where they supposedly pulled some guy out of the audience to be a wrestler or something? Uh, You know, it's, it's not as easy to do anymore. I mean, the, the thing that they did was, uh, I think the last guy that they actually did that with was, uh, who's that Italian? There's an Italian guy uh, that's... Oh, not the unibrow guy with the sock on yeah, him. Yeah, oh, yeah. that guy? Yeah. Oh, God. I think initially they pulled him out of the audience. I don't remember because I, I I, don't watch nearly as much as I used to. That guy's a jobber. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but no, I mean, they, they had they had a deal with, uh, with an, an actor... Or the guy that's on the arrow, uh, that was kind of, you know, contrived, and um, but I can't, I can't think of anywhere where they actually had somebody come out of the audience. Um, well, it's like they always joke around that like uh, you can always tell who the next generation of wrestlers are because they're always like the security that runs yeah. in, or they're like playing the part of like. The, the bouncers or something yep. in some yep. scene. Yeah. Well, like that wrestler Sheamus. I remember watching some stuff back in an old pay-per-view and he was one of the... Uh, funny, he's one of the cops that was arresting Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> wow, man. You really arrested him well. I think we should hire you to wrestle. <laughs> this is all... I, I still, to this day, I think one of the... Uh, Obviously, one of the most horrible things was the Chris Benoit thing. Yeah. But what made that, I don't know if tolerable is the word or or something that kind of was a counterpoint to it that just kind of, I don't know, just kind of relieved some of the stress was the fact that uh, McMahon at the time was trying to push this angle that he got blown up in a limousine. Oh, Like you, you saw his foot and then the limo blew up or something like that. And everybody was like, oh my God, they they killed Vince McMahon or something. And then, you know, it was all this. And then of course the horrible thing happened and he had to come on the air yeah. and like make a statement or whatever. And it's like, well, there goes that whole storyline. Yeah. Well, I don't know do you, if you remember back in the, I don't know, I don't know. I get, I get, I don't remember years well, but, uh, Back in the whole thing, back in the Monday Night Wars, when uh, when they had Stone Cold going after uh, Brian Pillman, uh, and Brian Pillman was going to shoot him, you remember that? No. Oh God, it was horrible. It's like Stone Cold's coming, and Pillman's like, I know he's coming again, and he's gonna. Pillman has a gun, <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, he's not. Oh my God, Stone Cold's knocking on the door. Oh my God, and then the door opens up, and it's Stone Cold is like, ah, and then the TV goes <laughs> blank, right? And everybody's like, "Oh my God, that's wrong!" <laughs> uh, and and then then that was that was when they kind of said, "Yeah, I think we need to watch where we're going with this." <laughs> I think we need to watch. It's like uh, 
war of the world for wrestling fans. Like, this is all real. Oh, my God. Well, but, you know, the thing about it is, it's like, I've often thought this. It's like, it's like crazy to me because it's like, huh, you can hit a guy with a chair. You can hit him with brass knuckles. You can, you can, you know, do all this stuff to him. It's like, well, what the hell's to stop somebody from just bringing a gun and shooting a dude? <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's like, well, sportsmanship? No, I don't think that's it. <laughs> But it's, and I also, I, I also, I mean, it's like I think to myself, well, they've got all these gimmicks. They've got these crazy managers. They've always got a Russian that they hate or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, I think it would be awesome if they had somebody from the Russian mob, yeah. you know, come in and just, you're going to lose this match or I will break your fingers. It's like, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. There can't be any mob affiliations with the with the pro wrestling because that wouldn't make it seem legitimate. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. But it's funny because, you know, they have guys that write that stuff. And, yeah. and... Do you think the guy who wrote uh, the Shockmaster <laughs> thing got fired? No, I don't think he we did. We talk about it so much. Uh, whenever I'm talking about wrestling, I have to bring up the Shockmaster. Shock it's fantastic. such the funniest thing in the world. If you haven't seen it, you got to look it up, and maybe you should. Because no, the helmet he was wearing was literally a Stormtrooper helmet spray-painted with sparkle, sparkle silver. Yeah. I don't know. I think... I think I, if you if you look up on like Legends of Wrestling, I think they're talking about it. I think it's uh, I think it was Dusty Rhodes' idea. Yeah, and 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 uh, and he was telling a story about him and Cody were watching it, and then when he fell through the wall and the, the helmet rolled off of him, Cody was like, "Is that Uncle Billy?" <laughs> <laughs> but oh, the God. best of that whole thing is like the. The stuff you hear backstage where I think it's like Ric Flair or somebody goes, oh, God, he fell down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because there was somebody I can't remember who it was, but there's there's a wrestler that people would know that was actually the voice of the Shockmaster <laughs> because he couldn't talk under the mask thing. <laughs> so he was the voice of the Shockmaster. Oh, I'm coming for you. Oh, my God. What a fiasco. <laughs> And the story is that when he broke through the wall, they did it. They already had it set up. It worked. They 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 went through a dress rehearsal, went through the wall, no problem. Yeah. And Except they put that two by they, four they put at a the two bottom. Two by four down at the bottom for whatever reason, <laughs> which ended up tripping him and he fell down. <sighs> yeah. So were you a big uh, like who was your favorite wrestler? My favorite wrestler was always Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Always. Yeah. Uh, I mean, before I knew it's one who of my he brother's was, favorites. Yeah. yeah, before I knew who Roddy Roddy was, I mean, there was a guy uh, from Amarillo, Texas, that wrestled in Central States called Rufus R. Jones. Rufus R. Jones. Rufus R. Jones. Oh he doesn't my God. sound like he got his due. Rufus R. Jones. God dang man, this guy. He had he had back in the day, right? They sold everything. Was yeah. they sold everything, and so. He, his big move was he had like the world's greatest headbutt. <laughs> and it's like, you can do, it's like, you can do what you want. You can wrestle. But when, unless you get Rufus R. Jones bad, you don't hit him. He got the hardest head in the world. Yeah. And then he would do the, he would do the flapping kind of wings thing and the wiggly legs thing. And, and then, and then he'd give you a headbutt and it'd be like, you're done. <laughs> you know, don't. And Isn't it funny would, how like. You know, 
the finishers started out so simple. Like it was uh, the one guy's finisher was the clothesline. Yeah. Another guy's finisher was the DDT. Well, another guy's finisher was just like a punch to the head. Yeah, there used to be there used to be a guy called the Viking, and his uh, his closer was he jammed his thumb in people's throat. Oh shit! That's it. You're done. I can't stand it anymore. I gotta tell you, I think one of the the most impressive finishers. At, I don't know if the guy's even still wrestling right now, but I feel like his name was like Ezekiel Jones or something like that. Okay. And basically, his finisher was he would throw you off of one of the ropes, and then he would run and bounce off the other rope and just collide with you in the middle of the ring. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know how many people must have got hurt with that fucking finisher, man, because he would plow into you at, like, full speed. Oh, yeah. And that would be the finisher. Obviously, I think the greatest finisher in the history of wrestling, which I, I believe has been banned, uh, was Petey Jones as uh, the Canadian Destroyer. Oh. Did you ever see that one? I don't think I did. Because he was on... He was on TNA, and I don't know if he ever signed with uh, the WWE. I doubt he did, but I feel like he got injured so many times. He was kind of like, uh, kind of like Evan Bourne, where oh, okay. he just got injured so many yeah. times that he just had to leave because he was such a high flyer. But his finisher was, and like it was the craziest thing to watch because you would have to just really slow it down to try to figure out what the hell he was doing. So basically. He would get the guy with his head between his legs like he was going to uh, give him a pedigree. Uh-huh. And he would uh, he would hold the guy around the waist and basically front flip holding the guy and flip in the air holding the guy and pile drive him. Oh, man. Yeah. It was like, the, so obviously the two people had to work together. Yeah. Like the guy on the bottom would have to jump at like the same time he would jump. And it was just crazy to watch because it was like a slingshot type of thing where he would like hold the guy and it would look like he was diving over him. Yeah. And then it would kind of flip and he would slam him, pile drive him. And then that would be the end. Man. Yeah, I don't know. It's you watch the you watch the new stuff. You know, you know, like the NXT guys and and Ring of Honor, and all these guys are doing stuff that's so crazy yeah. that it's like. And then the hard part about it is, if you watch, I don't know if you watch Ring of Honor. It's on. Uh, you're probably working most of the time yeah. when it's on, but uh, it's on Sunday nights on, on uh, in Minneapolis. Anyway, it's on all over the country. But in Minneapolis, it's on at one o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. Okay. And so I'm usually still up. And what happens is these guys are doing so much stuff that, and then they and then they kick out it too. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, there's no way. Yeah. And how are you going to finish this match now? Because they're doing, you know, super kicks off of the high off of the top rope and. You know all of this stuff, and they're throwing each other buckle bombs, and and it's like I mean they're doing stuff that they won't let them do in the in the WWE, oh, yeah. you know. And well, now that WWE is PG, well they don't no blood. Yeah, well they still have some blood, but it's real blood. It's doing guys get anyway. Uh, 
but yeah. Well, I heard that if somebody bleeds now, they have to stop the show and clean it up and then continue. Oh, not during pay-per-views. That's what I've heard. Well, I don't care what you've heard. When was the last time you watched? Maybe regular TV. Yeah, regular TV. Cut away quick. Do a commercial. Sell some more figures. There was a time where, like, I would get so excited when an old guy would run down the ramp. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd get so jazzed up. And I don't know what it is, but there's, you know, maybe it's just the old guys are just way too old now. Because, you you know, you see the old guy run down the ramp now and you're like, well, this is going to be the most boring fucking match in the yeah. history of the world, you know. I think uh, Shawn Michaels told a story about how when he wrestled Hulk Hogan at that SummerSlam, oh, like God. towards the end of his yeah. career, and he was just like, I was carrying him the yeah. whole match. And and they had told him that he was going to lose it, and he just was not happy about it. He oversold everything, if you go back and watch it. Yeah. Oversold it like crazy. It was really hilarious. And then he came out the next night and, and like, just mocked the whole match on Raw and said something like, uh, well, you know, I did the best I could, but that big leg got me again. <laughs> you know, or something like that. So Rufus oh, yeah. T. Jones was your, your Rufus favorite, R. Jones was your favorite restaurant restaurant when I was, wrestler of all time. Yeah, well, no, not of all time. I mean, but he was my you know because because for me there was before WWE before uh, WCW. I mean, yeah. before before wrestling got onto onto cable, it was a different world, and so I only knew this little tiny microcosm when I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, and that microcosm what held, held who else was on there was a guy named Black Angus who was pretty good <laughs> he was from Scotland uh, there was a guy named the Stomper all he did was his, his specialty guess what it was stomping <laughs> he just stomped he just people. stomped them um, and he'd get in trouble because he'd stomp too much they'd say no no Stomper don't stomp anymore he couldn't handle it uh Let's see who else was a Harley. Handsome Harley Race was always a favorite. They had, they had a. You, you've heard of Ric Flair, the Nature Boy, right? Yeah. There was also a guy named George Nature Boy Kirby, uh, oh, in the shit. Central States. But yeah, but I mean, is there it, ever a rivalry? No, because they were they were separate entities. Oh, okay. You know, and I think I don't know this to be true, but I think a lot of the territories had a guy called a Nature Boy. And so some of these some of these young guys are like, oh yeah, Ric Flair stole that Nature Boy bit from so and so. Like, no, there were tons of guys using the same <laughs> bits all over the country. You know, um, there was there was uh, God, there was the surgeons. They were a tag team. They were doctors who also wore masks. Uh, Gig City, Flagstaff, it's Gig City, number one. Uh, but uh, and I'm trying to think of oh yeah, uh, in in uh, Randy Orton's. Not his father. His father was Bob Orton, Cowboy Bob Orton. His grandfather was Big Bob Orton, and he was a wrestler back in Central States. And his closer was the pile driver. Wow. So yeah, I mean, I mean, and I remember all of that stuff vividly because, like I said, my aunt took us, uh, my sister and I, when we were younger, and uh, and then oh my gosh, she got us autographed photos from some of the fellas, and we're trying to figure out how she did it. Oh boy! Oh, now if you were if you were watching wrestling right now, and outside of Roddy Roddy Piper, obviously, rest in peace. Yep. Who would you be excited by 
if they were running down the ramp? Well, uh, right now my favorite guy is Kevin Owens. Who the hell is Kevin Owens? Kevin Owens is a guy that was uh, a wrestler on uh, ROH, uh, which is Ring of Honor. Okay. And uh, he's, he's a lot of people compare him to uh, like uh, Mick Foley in terms of he doesn't have the typical body that Vince McMahon likes. Vince McMahon has his, he likes really big muscular guys and this guy's kind of a bowling ball. Uh, <laughs> but he's really good and he's awesome on the mic. Uh, and he is one of the true villains right now uh, that's just pure villain and doesn't have a real gimmick. He's just really good at having people not like him. Uh, <laughs> See, he, I like that about Chris Jericho because oh. he doesn't... He There was a point where where he was he was so the villain that uh, he asked WWE to not sell any merchandise for him. Yeah. Because he goes, if you sell merchandise, people will buy my stuff. They'll wear it and they'll be fans. And he's like, I don't want any of that. Yeah. I want everyone hating me. Yeah. Like, oh, holy God. shit. One of my favorite, one of my favorite parts that I'll always remember of WCW was back when Jericho was still there and he was, uh, he was, uh, upset that Dean Malenko was called the man of a thousand holds and was getting more matches than he was. And he went out to read his, I've got way over a thousand holds. And he starts going through his <laughs> list of holds. He's reading his holds. Number two, arm bar. And he's going through all these things. Number seven, arm bar, you know, yeah. and he's, it was just hilarious. And they cut to a commercial and they come back and he's still reading them. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's one of my favorites, man. I remember that whole thing where he was coming back and they kept playing that prom oh, promotion yeah. where it was like the Matrix or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that was People great. Were like all trying to figure out, who's it going to be? I can't, I don't know. And then it was just like, why two? Jay and people lost their mind but I think what was great what they did with that was like maybe for a week he was like the good guy oh, and yeah. that's when he turned into this horrible villain <laughs> and everybody was like oh man I well, you know, know if I want him back pe people were excited but but no you're talking about the first time right yeah he, he, he I don't know if you recall that when the timer went off, he The Rock was on stage. He interrupted The Rock with his with his debut. Was it Rock? Yeah. Oh wow. Well, he was one of those guys that had both belts at one time. He was the first guy that had oh, both okay. of them at the same time, which was probably part of his contract. So what are, what are your thoughts on John Cena? Yeah, I mean, I never liked him. I mean, he. People obviously do. A lot of people do. A lot of people don't like him. But yeah, I mean, to 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 me, it's like, yeah, you know, it's the same. He's not doing anything new. It's like if you were to compare it to comedy, it would be like if you went to see a guy and then saw him again five years later, and it's like, wow, he hasn't done a new joke. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, to me, that's kind of the people thing. People hate him. Yeah. Oh, oh look, David Harris is calling me. Well, David Harris, I'm just going to have you call somebody else. Oh, edit this out. The good news is we're, we're, we're close. We're close to the end. Oh, yeah. We're going to go through our final thoughts here. Oh, yeah. Have I ever done five horrible questions with you? I don't think so. Well, we're about to do it right now. Oh, no. 
Five horrible questions for Johnny Russell. Are you ready? I'm ready. They're pretty much the same questions everybody gets. Um, Question one is, uh, if anybody was to offer you $50 million to never tell another joke personally or professionally for the rest of your life, would you accept it? Probably. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I think I said this last week or when I did my last interview that, like, the first, like, six or seven comics I gave the five questions to, they all were like, no way. Like, I could never not tell a joke. And recently, I'm hard-pressed to find a comic that says he won't take it. Well, you know, here's the thing. I I mean, I'm old. I mean, to, to be honest... I could do more with fifty million dollars than, you know, another <laughs> another seven or eight years doing comedy before I die. I think Brody's was the best. He goes for fifty million dollars. I could make another Mike Brody and just live <laughs> vicariously through him. I was like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Question two, which I think you're going to knock this one out of the park. Okay. Do your best famous person impression. Wow. Well, it's hard for me. My best one. Huh. All right, Mark, it's me, Jesse Ventura, and you're just a media jackal. <laughs> it's so good, man. You do Jesse so good. You know, here's man. a funny thing. The, the way I learned I could do that, I had a horrible laryngitis one time, and I just started talking way down in my throat because it's the only way it didn't sound raspy. <laughs> and it was born. There it was. The Johnny Russell closer was born. <laughs> Question three. I have to remember what question three is. Uh, what is question three? I feel so unprepared. Uh oh. Hang on, let's find it here. Yeah, look at question three. By oh, way, okay. By the way, welcome to lovely Flagstaff, Arizona. Yes, we are here in the magic time. Uh, name a comedian that you don't get along with and why. I can't think of any. Oh, you know. You did a whole podcast on him. Oh, no, I get along with him. Oh. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. Di- There's no comic where if, if they didn't tell you who you were working with and they, they sent him to pick you up at the airport and you got on the car with them. You wouldn't be like, ugh. No, I mean, I, I try to make the most of doing this. And, and for me, that means just having fun regardless of what I'm doing. And I don't know that there's anybody that I'm like, oh, my God, I can't stand this fucking guy. I don't okay. think, I don't, I mean, and I hope that I don't, I hope that I'm not that guy on somebody's list. But I, Oh, I, you're on a lot of lists. Yeah, no. I know. It's for fart re- regression but I I, uh, I really I really kind of feel like I mean I've, I've, I've been very lucky I haven't met a whole lot of dinks in this business and the ones that I I mean the ones that I have I kind of don't remember okay then we'll move on to question four uh-huh. what's the meanest thing you've done to someone on purpose wow well like like recently or ever since I was born <laughs> Well, I, I I don't ever preface it, but I hope more now because, like, you know, when we're kids, we do such shitty things to each other and siblings, so. 
Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I, uh, if I'm not booked on Thursdays, I run that open mic at Goonies. And there, there are some guys that are open micers, and it drives me nuts because they'll bitch about where I put them on the list. You know, and it's like, are you, oh, I'd really like to be in the middle. I'm like, well, you're first. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be first. Well, then you're last. You know, uh, and sometimes if I really hate it, John Wilson will come down a lot. And John Wilson usually gets a good response or David Harris. A lot of times if guys are really dicks, I'll put them right after somebody that's really good. So that's. I think that's pretty mean. That is pretty mean. Final question, Johnny Russell. Uh -huh. Have you ever done something so illegal you would have been put in jail, but you got a away with it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, tons of times. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, and, and, and a wide variety of things. Okay. Any uh, final thoughts for this uh, driving wrestling podcast? I would just say that this is one of the, the best podcasts I've been a part of since the last time we did a podcast. And uh, that I would, uh, as, as a pre-promotion, say... Make sure that you that you look forward to the live from the sportsbook podcast because that one's going to be crazy. <laughs> live from the sportsbook part one and two most likely because it was a lot of audio and there was a lot of gems in there. So You'll be was, able to edit that down to about a half hour worth of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Well, you can always get this podcast at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you can get podcasts, and uh, check out largedrunkman.com for my. Upcoming tour dates. Where can they find you, Johnny? Uh, JohnRussellComedy.com at John Russell on Twitter. All right. Tune in next time, guys, when we talk about who knows.
obviously I was there. <laughs> obviously. Know, obviously. Who came up with and it? I did. I did. <laughs> but but it was it Fred's a great guy. Of course. We he call is. him Uncle Fred. I tell you, I'm gonna tell you the story quickly. <laughs> Uncle Fred, early in the day, had busted through this wall as a shock master on a flare for the goal. Busted through the wall. Everything went good. David Crockett had somebody nail a two-by-four on the bottom of the new wall, which was not there when he busted through the wall the first, first time. time. Okay? <laughs> the voice of Shockmaster was Ole Anderson. He was off in another deal with a microphone. Also, the voice say, of the black school. Yeah, say, I am the Shockmaster. I come to kick somebody's ass. You know what I mean? Well, we're all sitting there live, and all of a sudden, the bomb went off, and Fr Uncle Fred, poor Uncle Fred, Uncle Fred bust through, and he hit that two before that David Crockett had put down, down. there to sabotage my ass, had put there, and the shockmaster fell flat on his ass. The helmet rolled off. He fumbled for the helmet, and I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, what we call a gorilla position, and I'm, I'm started to rumble with the left. They almost had to take me to the hospital. And as he fell, and he found the helmet, and he put it back on, and the summit stood up. <laughs> and only only voice started cracking, and I'm the, I'm the shock master. So at home, they're watching this on television, all the kids. Cody. Young Cody's there with all the kids. They're watching this, and the kids looked at it in fright, and they're laughing, and they looked at it in fright. And Cody turns around to all the other kids, and he says, I think that was Uncle Fred. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Uncle Fred. And if I'm laughing, the, the skit was over. Uncle Fred came out in front of the gorilla position table, and he knelt down and he flopped that helmet there. And he said, <laughs> and you I can could, stick this. I couldn't, no, I couldn't even, <laughs> I couldn't even talk. He used the F word. He said, I effed this up, didn't I? I said, buddy, I laughed so hard. They took me, had to take me to my room. I mean, I was laughing so hard. You it should've. was an amazing moment, almost as, as amazing as asked the question. My other one was the gobbledygooker. When I see the gobbledygook you was involved in. I, I, I had uh, nothing to do with it. But we have a battle all the time, me and Vince, all the time. Which even worse? We'll be drinking and having a cocktail together, and he'll say, Shockmaster was the worst. I say, no, the gobbledygooker was the worst. So Shockmaster got to had to be two of the top of the line, and Uncle Fred was a great hand here, became world tag team champions here. Him and Avalanche, you know, an earthquake, oh, mm -hmm. did a great job. Hector Guerrero, but that, great guy. Yeah, but that, and, and Hector, great job, but man, when he bust through and, and, and fella, and I think, I think he said, David Boy said, God rest his soul, I think David Boy said, he fell on his ass, <laughs> but he, you know, what he did.